0: Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art in film, focusing on Alfonso Cuaron's dystopian post-apocalyptic piece, Children of Men to hash it out i am joined by philip with one l church of philip with one l church
1: dot tech welcome back to the show thanks for having me you don't have to type all that stuff out when going to the site <laughs> that's true that is true it's just don't philip listen church to lies dot tech
0: it is just philip church dot tech so let's tell the good people why we are talking about children of men today it marked a turning point in cinema uh not only for quality prestige uh vision it it was a game changer and what's crazy what's crazy mr mr Church, is it's still kind of underrated to this
1: day i don't know yeah. why it's loved as much right i have been basically saving this like anecdote oh ooh, please please and i think a lot of There's just, you know, sometimes you get in your head about like what a movie maybe sounds like or what you think it's going to be. Hence, I a long time ago adopted a like, fuck it, I'll just go in blind kind of, you know, it's like if I'm that interested in it, I might keep tabs on it of just like, is the production still going, blah, blah, blah. But otherwise, you know, I, I don't like spoilers ahead of time or anything. And. When this movie came out, I was—I uh, I, I want to say it was around Christmas because that's typically when my family does their like full family movie like tradition. We don't always agree on any one movie; very mm-hmm. very differing tastes in my unit. So, sure. uh, we were going to go see one thing, and then that was sold out or whatever. And so my brother, who straight up like went to like film school and stuff, uh, he's got very interesting standards. He's got like a really high bar for stuff and he was like let's go see this instead it's like the same time it's really good Mm -hmm. and that is the story of how i just walked out of the theater feeling like a changed person because i didn't know what i was getting into it the whole thing just like top to bottom again there's no there's no wasted moment at all um it's just it's a thrill ride that of course has its calmer moments but there's just tension all throughout and that's what i essentially turned around and did to a roommate, weirdly enough, is that, uh, again, back at the day when I was still in college. And so a roommate and, and myself were going to go see a movie. And I, I think we botched some kind of detail. Like we looked at maybe the wrong theater or just misread the time. And so he was like, oh, crap, you know, what are we going to do? And I was like, children of men, let's go see it. And he, too, came out of the theater being like, I'm so, he literally just said straight out loud, like, I'm so glad you made us go see that. Yeah. Um. Because it it's it's just an insanely impactful and so so well thought out and executed. Um. So yeah. If I if it's something I get somebody to watch, it sticks with them and they end up really liking it. And I just think there's this weird, like, hesitancy around just you know whether people know about a movie or the director. Because you know I get that like you've got t- well it's three pretty big names in it, but like otherwise you know it's it it didn't. You know, it's not like everyone loves Clive Owen. Um, so I kind of get how maybe <laughs> he was kind of just, the it guy though, for a while, he was. I'm, yeah, sho- he was I'm shocked he didn't keep it going, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, with the, with such a stellar performance like this and again, he was in his element back in the, those or the early aughts. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I get that not everyone's going to be like, Oh, Clive Owen stars in this. It must be great. But it's like, well, guess what? You just, you never know. There's so much more to a movie than the actors that are billed as starring. And so the people who've given it a chance, I would be willing to bet Way more than not would have to agree. Like it is a, it's a damn good film. It doesn't have to be your cup of tea, but you can still watch it and just be like, "Fuck, that was really good." It's, it's, it's good. It is a worthy experience. I think it's
0: strangely relevant right now because after I, I rewatched it obviously for the show
1: because the fucking world's ending.
0: Um, well, two, two, <laughs> twofold, twofold. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to say the world is ending quite yet, but the first thing I thought of is, uh, it is definitely a epic uh, uh you know it's an epic story but it's intimate and it's about uh, a war torn world and i couldn't help but think about the the war in ukraine i was like That's it was really ukraine, hitting yeah. yeah it was really kind of hitting uh, close to home with just uh, international news obviously we live in the states and but having to kind of watch these atrocities play out in real time no less and seeing these things uh, seeing all of the imagery all of this you know war is hell imagery with what these poor people are going through and then seeing this depiction in this in this world um, I couldn't help but felt feel empathetic and and be like, oh my god, this is we're we're kind of living through a version of this. Obviously, it's very isolated uh, with the war in Ukraine, but these poor people. I, I don't know. I felt like there was some relevance, even though it was just, it's such an old movie. That, but now, um, I think the the other fold is so. Here is the twofold of the of the one two punch is. The there is every every year or every few years, I I should say, there is always talks about fertility rates because in developing countries or not developing countries, I I would say in let's not beat around the bush, richer countries like America, the UK and uh, parts of Europe, they are statistically going down every year with um, birth rates. Whereas developing, like third world countries, uh, uh, lower educated, lower income are going up, actually. There is, I just listened to a a different podcast. So uh, shout out to Vox's today explained i'm a big fan of their show and uh because they talk about current events but with a little bit of a humorous stint to every episode you know it's almost kind of like our shows where we talk about very serious art but with a little bit of humor you know it's, it's two guys talking at a bar Kind i'll thing. have you know that i've never been funny my entire life <laughs> I'm, i we are always serious in these fucking shows but anyways the point is is just recently i would say um at the time of us recording this episode in the last week they did an entire piece their pieces are like thirty minutes on uh, the world population that we are we just passed eight billion yeah and, that's right. and then they had a they always have like an expert on the panel that talks with the main there's two main co-hosts and the the host that day essentially uh, was allowed to play devil's uh devil's advocate with this questioning because we keep hearing the same things every few years is more people is bad and then there's the completely other side the other end of the spectrum that is like, no, we need more people. We're not, we're not, we're not making enough people. And I, I'm on this, I don't know how you feel. So I'll, um, please chime in after I make my statement. I think we're on the too many people. So I'm on the too uh, many people side.
1: Yeah. It's like, I, I, obviously the, the, the aspect of like existing life that is lost is tragic. So it's not like I'm wishing, you know, for like another round of, of, anything well i no, and i'm going, thinking about it like, like sustainability but no yeah that's the thing is you like know, I resources. Agree. Like even just even don't if we have enough were, people yeah <laughs> even if things were things were going along perfectly and we were all super healthy it's like god damn the amount of just materials and like things and goods that we produce um yeah. terrifies me just because i can see it just in my bubble here or where, where i live in like a fairly big city in the states and just thinking about how it's a global, I mean, you know, consumerism is global. It, the whole damn planet is, is basically consumerist now uh, more more than less. And it, it is, it's terrifying. Um, and I I do feel like, you know, the stuff that we're doing too, like, well, guess what? All this plastic we're making, that's going in the fucking ocean and then the rain and then we eat it. And guess what? Our fertility rates could be dropping because of that. You don't know. We just or don't
0: or greenhouse gases still, climate change. Like oh, it is yeah. it is terrifying. So I, I again uh pulling it back, children of men is so relevant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
1: relevant right now it is. in this very strange I, way. And I have another thing that I'm gonna touch on in a little bit when we get to where it actually matters, but how like there's it's it is weirdly relevant. It is insanely yes. hilariously
0: relevant. And we will definitely get there in the discussion section, but of course before we get there, we all need a little background. So the film is based on a PD James's 1992 novel entitled The Children of Men. The screenplay is an adaptation by Alfonso Curran himself who also directed obviously Timothy J Sexton, David Arrata, Mark Fergus and Hawk Ozby, what a great name! It stars Clive Owen, Julian Moore, Michael Caine, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Ij- and
1: surprisingly Charlie Hunnam. I, I, I don't remember it. that he was in it. Honestly, I feel yeah,
0: like yeah. The I I well after I read the name, so I I did the outline and then I rewatched the movie for this show, and he was the guy in the dreads. And I was like, oh, there he is. You know, like I no found him. Like shit. it was like, where's Waldo? That's funny. Now before we can hash it out, of course we all need a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up, because I'm gonna throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now back to the show. So before we dive into the film itself, and you know how we you know we like what we like to do here, we're gonna do all the ends, all the all all the artistry that is Children of Men. I uh, so guys, let's 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 bring the good people behind the curtain a little bit. So uh, we have pitch meetings, of course, like any any good team. And my pitch was for doing a um, career retrospective on Alfonso Cuarón. I've been a big fan of his for a long time, and so I uh, clearly got outvoted.
1: But, uh, but, um, there was also more than just the two of us. I know the math doesn't check out.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, we, the the good people know we have producers. We have, we have Anderson. Exactly. We have other other talent on the show. Um, so it is a team. It's a team effort and we, we we're democratic. So we, you know, we go to a vote often when we can't, uh, unanimously, unanimously decide together. So I wanted to, I wanted to take a moment before we just get into the film itself. I wanted to talk about Alfonso Curran's, um, Career a little bit real quick because uh, I think a lot of <laughs> I think a lot of people will be surprised at what this filmmaker has actually made because he has a very eclectic. There there is definitely a DNA to his work and but it's very eclectic when you actually just go through the list. So I'm going to go real quick. I'm going to give you a little story time and then we're going to talk about Children of Men. So he is a fil- Mexican filmmaker known for Solo Conto Paria in 1991. A Little Princess, 1995. Great Expectations, 1998. Itumama Bien, 2001. So here's my quick story before I do the rest of the list Itumama Bien was a movie I saw with my mother. Nice. <laughs> so uh, shout out to my mom. I got to give a quick shout out to my mom because my mom has only heard a few of our shows and like the one um, show that I think it was the Silk Sonic show where I teased her a little bit and she like really took offense to that (laughs) because um, you know, she's like, well, I've been such an inspiration, you know, like we we actually had a little spat about it. So I want to, I do want to tell the audience, my mother, I would not be here. I would not be the artist I am today without my mom specifically with film. So my mom has been a film buff since I, since I could remember. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest. And that is our biggest bonding experience. We, to this day, we will go see movies um, either together as a family. Usually it's just me and her. And she's usually the one picking the weird stuff, like the stuff. So I would have like, we saw the lobster together. We saw all these weird, you know, cause my mom's like, Ooh, this, um, you know, she's either likes the director or the writer, exactly how these shows are designed, you know, and she's bringing me the art. So mom, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here today doing this. So thank you. Um, now I'm going to make her listen to this one. Anyway, so here's the thing about YouTube Matambian. It's a little bit of softcore porn
1: going on in yeah. there.
0: Um, and I was very uncomfortable. You know, we are we come from one of those families that, you know, we we clo- you know we cover the kids' eyes or we fast forward through the sex scenes. It was a little taboo in my family. Obviously, we're all adults now, so it's, it's not that big a deal now. But as, as a teenager, I was pretty uncomfortable walking out of ito with my mother my mother is hispanic we come from hispanic background that's part of the reason she wanted to see it
1: yeah we haven't uh, really talked since then <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's has been really weird luckily yeah luckily we we were kindled our <laughs> our our movie relationship and um it's been fine but that was definitely a turning point i remember like teasing her when we walked out the movie She's, I was like, mom, we are never going to see a movie like that ever again. Like it was just like it was a little bit of I think at the time since I was a teenager, you know, everything's fucking traumatic, And I mean, it really wasn't in hindsight, but I it just it really left a mark. I was like, oh, God, I'm so uncomfortable. When is this movie going to fucking end? Oh, God, my mom's right next to me. Like it was like that for two hours. Um, but now as an adult, it is a work of art. It is showing kind of the the gritty nature of relationships, especially uh, through um, the eyes of budding young men, finding their sexuality and things like that. So it's definitely something you guys should check it out. Now, what's crazy is it's such it's perfect that I stopped right there because the very next one is Harry Potter and the Prisoner, Prisoner of, Azkaban. of Azkaban 2004, arguably. Um, That's come what after. put him on my radar. Come, come after me, Potter fans. I think it's the best movie. Fuck. It's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I think it it really it sticks out. A lot out of like the movies ended up being
1: trash, in my opinion.
0: Well, they just were kind of uh, okay, but like this one, like stuck out like a sore thumb in a good this way because way it was dark just, again. It's yeah, got exactly. Alfonso
1: Cuarón behind the helm, and I get that the books also, of course, get like more mature and dark as they go. But holy shit, they leapt forward in this one. It went from oh, like little it kids was so mature kids scared of a yeah. troll in the dungeon, and all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, this thing's gonna suck your soul out. Have fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but oh. it was it was such a departure, and I don't feel like they ever actually – because they never had another filmmaker like him do one of these films. I don't it, even it remember just, any of the other
1: directors at this Exactly, point,
0: yeah. It, it just really was a, a, such a testament to his craft that he was like, you know what? I'm going to do a Harry
1: Potter movie, and I'm going to make the best one. And he did, in my humble opinion. I'm really curious about how much post-production and stuff went into this because you've got two – of these, bi- I mean, like once we discuss more, it'll be all the clearer about just what kind of budget and production children of men must have been. But Harry right. Potter, of course, was also no small potatoes. So I am curious oh, God, with how, no. how relatively soon, like close to each other that they were released of what kind of stress this put on the man. And well, yeah, it was two years. It was 2004, Harry Potter,
0: 2006, Children of Men. I think that's part of the reason he got to make this, because, you know, that old saying, you know, I'm going to do one for you, then I'm going to do one for me. This was clearly the one for me. Like, this oh, was such an artistic tale and movie and everything. We'll get to, into that in just a minute. 2013 Gravity, 2018 Roma. Um, He is. I mean, it's still kind of a short filmography, but everyone is so. I mean, this guy is another. He's like a Denis Villeneuve. He's Pedro Almodovar. The The Skin I Live In. I own that film. Guillermo del Toro. That just like they're on. They're on that. That of their class, they are the highest caliber of their craft. You know, just like a Nolan, just like a Fincher, just like a Spielberg. They're killing it, and. It's still crazy to me. I think it's part of part of it is because he has such an eclectic filmography. Not a ton of people um, know Alfonso Cuaron, and that's why we're highlighting him today. And we're doing that through ooh segue through the film. Children of Men. Let's start with the story. Let's do what we always do. So, Children of Men. Tell the good people. Give them a
1: quick synopsis of the story. It has been nearly two decades since the uh, last baby was born. Uh, Mm. Just uh, relatively suddenly, women stopped conceiving, and uh, as such, of course, that sparked all kinds of like global panic. And it it feels like there's there's looming sense of like authoritarianism in the background. Given other things you see. But they don't really focus on it. And it's really hard to say, like, was there a big military takeover or what? But basically, it threw... Obviously, something to that nature of just that epic of scale would throw the entire planet out of whack. And people freaked out and panicked. So, yeah, the world, again, it's... It's post-something. There's some sort of cataclysmic event. It captures that feel. They talk about it like an infection, like there's some virus that made women infertile, something like that. True. And then another actually interesting, speaking of uh, viruses, though, and another way that this is still weird. This is still very, very relevant, yeah. After that, the pandemic. Um, Yeah, that a flu pandemic is what um, killed the main character's child. So the main character Mm. is a former activist who I believe was basically against the kinds of things that would lead to this, and he just played by Clive Owen. Yeah, Clive Owen's Theo, and uh, and you know Theo is basically just going about it he's definitely like an alcoholic um just kind of yeah. one of those day by day just doesn't really give much of a shit and then along comes this just roller coaster of events he Gets that, swept up yeah. yeah he gets he gets taken up into his old uh, activist life by his ex with again with whom he had had that kid and that's like I think julianne kind of, moore yeah julianne moore's character um is still an activist she's still in somewhat of like a pretty intense like sort of like terrorist cell but given that the government also seems bad it almost feels like it's not fair to call it terrorism it's just I don't know what else you would you know like it's some kind of group some kind of faction Um, and what do they find what are they smuggling they are smuggling a young girl who's pregnant. She's pregnant. She's pregnant pregnant with... for the first time and because the movie starts with this whole Baby Diego um gets killed. By yeah, a the mom. youngest person again who was who was 18 years old, uh somebody killed him and so the entire world is mourning who they still call Baby Diego. Uh granted again he was like about 18. Yeah, so, 18
0: so no one has had uh, another child in these 18 years until now.
1: Yeah. And that's literally just where we pick up. Uh he's watching that, getting a coffee, and then all of a sudden a fucking bomb goes off in the coffee shop right as he's left and uh like it just just they throw that info at you and then they throw that action at you and and that sets the tone from the get-go oh my god it's a roller coaster from beginning to end especially (laughs) and that's and that's like even i feel like even
0: for the people that aren't film buffs and probably are looking at this film like we are they had to have known like i i even when i go to with like movies with Uh, go to a movie like this with my lay friends that are you know they can care less about looking at at things with this kind of analysis or critique they would say to me it's like man this is a really long shot so that car scene when he is just turning that the camera around to pick up on the action and things like that and that is all
1: one long take Mm -hmm. is filmmaking craft at its finest this is a master Yeah, I class. mean that. Yeah, that one, the one towards the end where he's going like in and out of the building, just the whole like the yes. worst. Like, good lord. Yeah, I mean, just minutes and minutes of such high octane. Everything around it, and just with all the things that had to be done and timed so well. Yeah, it is just.
0: I was trying to articulate it the best way I knew how because again, when you when you try to look behind the curtain, this movie clearly, in hindsight, had had to have meticulous
1: rehearsals. I kind of feel like given Harry Potter had, of course, like it's story written and our, like all the cast came preloaded. I do wonder if this is something that Alfonso had been like nursing in the background for that long mm. and had had his actors be like, Good look, theory. I want you to be this. Cause yeah, the, again, the fact that they made Harry Potter turn around and turn this out in just two years. Uh, I, I feel like, yeah, a lot of that sort of pre-work that set up and practice and stuff had to be really ready because the amount of sheer budget and time that would have been basically wasted if these longer shots were not caught after however long
0: but uh, it's like the most Herculean this is how effort. i would
1: i would, this is how i would articulate it it's like
0: the most rehearsed film i've ever seen that doesn't look rehearsed
1: yeah i can what see that i mean kids get yeah, considering how just how chaotic I and mean, like the yeah the, i mean the camera is is looking like, this everything way and that is feels so real yeah. You know, the grit and the realism. Oh, the rubble, the smog in the air. Um, oh, yeah.
0: You could feel like you, you you could reach into the screen and like try You could wipe the dirt off their face and feel the grime and the and it, and it creates the tone of the film, too, you know, because it is. <laughs> it is very dark it's very sad it's
1: melancholy it's 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 hard even, at times. even visually though again a lot of the grays and like smoky oh, yeah. sort of tone that's like, where the cinematography comes in yeah it's it's uh, so yes of course when we say that it's dark we are talking subject matter and the vi- the actual and, visual elements of, of the, the visual
0: street. aesthetics yeah. absolutely and well but and talk about a master class in blocking too Like just when they were um, there was I'll never forget this scene where the young girl, the pregnant girl is outside on a playground, a kid's playground, swinging on a a swing set. And you can perfectly see here through a crack in the glass while the the main character and one of the supporting characters are talking about really the beginning because he uh, Clive Owens, Theo, is talking to a midwife that was that is is reminiscing about (laughs) it's she's what she's reminiscing about like the domino effect that she saw at the beginning she was like oh it was one week and then it was no you know no pregnancies scheduled for two weeks in a row and then a full month you know and then it was consecutive months and then before they knew it they were on a on a on a scale of infertility and uh, mortality rates like they've never seen before and I was like and I, I was thinking of like, OK, this is very powerful. This kind of dialogue and the screenwriting is another master class and getting as much or as little exposition as needed to really tell the story well without bogging down the audience. And it's it was all like so many. And this is just one example. There are so many scenes like this throughout the entire film where I'm like, the blocking is perfect. The movement is perfect yeah, because it's a very it's very busy. There's a lot
1: of movement in the film. I mean, with all of the extras in the movie, yeah, literally, like there, there's not a, there are quote unquote slow moments, but it's more that the plot is marinating and like things are being discussed and like, and it gives us a breather. Yeah, because again, it's yeah, literally, there is just a, an actual ton going on in this movie from start to finish. Like I said, it, it opens with a, a national memorial, global memorial, and a bomb in the same like thirty seconds. I mean, this is like. Again, they, they, he he didn't have time to hold back because it's also it's you would expect this movie to be like an insane runtime, right? Like it, you know, right? But it's, we might it's not relatively have have a, short. It's very yeah. tight and precise. Which That's where I like I think the is precision another thing that makes it so digestible and, a, and should be more appreciated because if you tell me a movie's three hours long, I'm gonna be hesitant. You're gonna it, wince, yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna oh, be like, Ugh, I'm waiting for that I to come to HBO. Know. Like I'm not paying. Blah blah blah. Um you know, I'll wait till it's on this these days. But like, man, like, no, this one, again, it's, it's concise, it's fast. But I still think that's a good thing because, and it just, it gives you a couple of those breathers, but it it like, it still is just, you're constantly digesting the stuff. And it's, and, and so much of it is heavy so that, yeah, I mean, again, you just, you come out like still digesting and you, like I said, I was like, I'm a new person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, I
0: think it, um, from a, a, pure direction, you know, let's focus a little bit on, uh, Quran's direction now because he made every scene play out with what I, I'm using the film, um, moniker or film technique. There you go. Of the ticking, the ticking clock. You know, because like a perfect example of the ticking clock is like think of any movie that involves a bomb and you literally have a clock ticking down closer and closer to zero. It creates this incredible tension, you know, and I feel like almost every scene was this they're getting something done just at the nick of time. They barely make it through the door before the thing gets them. They barely get to the next scene or the next part of their adventure before they're kidnapped or they're caught or the baby's caught or things like that. I just every single thing is designed to continue this roller coaster, this thrill ride, this tension and it's 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 it except for yeah, except for a couple of you know, we're having those peaks and a couple of valleys where yeah, we have a breather we dive head first into the deep end again, right back into the action. And it, it just creates again, that ticking clock of like, Oh my God, get, get out of that. Room. Go, go, get, go. You're, no, it's right behind you. Get the, get the fuck out.
1: Not yeah, Not even the looming sense of like authoritarianism in the background. We're just like the vague unnamed, just some sort of like organization slash Entity, government. Yeah. But yeah, just again, a, a looming tension the whole time. Like, but you know, there's betrayals. There's, you know, the actual like bad guys coming there's, you know, like you don't even first, you don't even know which groups to trust. Again, just, yeah, the, the way that things develop one after another, after another, um, it, again, it is, it's just constant tension, like edge of your seat and not, again, there are awesome action scenes and very physical scenes, but it's still not even always that way. Uh, again, just, we're just wondering is and somebody, it, yeah, gonna it's not action the for
0: action's sake. You know, it's not, it's not there just to be this pretty, you know, big fucking set piece and everything this is this is why he is he is probably one of my filmmakers like a lot of other filmmakers it's always in service of the story just like we we should probably talk about the special effects now because when special effects are done really really well or really really smartly it's almost invisible like that obviously a lot of time has passed but at the time people really thought that was a real baby. You know, it's clearly a little CG baby for a lot of those scenes. Oh, yeah. But it was, you know, it was designed to be realistic within the context of the film. And even like, I really had to look for them. And I bet there was a lot I missed because who, who was a master at this is Fincher. He actually comes from a CG background. People don't know that. And when you look at something like the film Zodiac or something, you, you don't, You don't realize that half of that film or more is done with CG and because it's always in the purpose of the story, not to just be spectacle, not to just be these big set pieces or these big action scenes. And there is those elements in the film, but it's again, in purpose of the story, we need to get this young girl who's pregnant, who eventually does give birth to the child in the film
1: to the safe haven. No, I yeah, just, yeah, just agreeing, honestly, that, like, it, it's, you get pretty much just about a full damn story as far as, like, again, having, you know, the actual, like, meeting the girl, getting her places, the baby being born, like, just all of again, you know, like, everything that sounds like it could be a, a, a point of, of plot, momentum, or tension, or, like, a problem, some plot device, whatever you want to call it, uh, it, it's there. And, and, including, like, this baby being born in, like, god-awful circumstances and then of course her having i mean and as a as a guy who i have a very very young son um it there's there's of course like yes babies are delicate we know that if you've never legitimately held like a few days or hours old baby in your arms then you have no clue right it's it's insane the like amount of like responsibility and just Ooh, interview question time how
0: did this in terms of in that specific regard how did this movie make you feel empathetically like when people were like remember that whole scene near the end near yeah i would say the climax of the film right before they got on the boat there's the scene with the baby crying where it almost turned into a force field they were allowed to walk out of the war everybody just shut
1: up everybody that could hear it the cries just shut people up on both sides of this conflict like they were Um, in awe much like yeah. what you're describing. No one's heard that. No one's heard that sound in 18 years. And this is literally like the the the, lo- the lo- loss of babies and the lack of this thing that is often synonymous uh, or, or whatever the word would be with like just pure joy and love uh, is missing from the world. And people are just at each other's throats. And, and this little natural sound, this tiny little thing with, again, babies cries. Holy shit, are they powerful? It's insane what this small thing can do to get your attention. Um, and I believe that it would be able to get some attentions in a war zone when part of the reason for this war has probably got to be the fact that, like, there's no more babies. And both sides stopped. It was it was this very uh, powerful moment
0: in the film of like, we need to get this baby somewhere out of here. And they, they and then they went right back to the the conflict they, they on yeah, each other. Yeah, you could
1: like follow it from a bird's eye view, things within a certain bubble of the of the of the baby. Um just they yeah, they literally just like get get that baby. This is a war zone. And it's as if the baby can't stop things, but it paused them just long enough mm-hmm. until mankind was just like, "Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be killing you." And then just decided to keep keep it up. <laughs>
0: let's uh switch gears let's go to a little more of the invisible special effects in the film uh which are of course editing music and just the general sound of the film i was pleasantly surprised um because i kind of went and i went i rewatched the film without any primer i had seen the film a couple times uh, i saw it at least once right when it came out I think I saw it again with with the scenario you were describing, where it was like, "Hey, you know, like, oh, I've never seen this. Let's see it together, or whatever." Then, of course, I saw it again for this uh, retrospective episode on the film itself, and I I would hear little touches of again, since it is kind of an art, you know, underneath it all, it, it there is an art house feel to it, and the the music choices. Uh, mirrored that as well. They had a Radiohead song in there. Yeah. uh, Deep, deep, deep uh, underneath god michael kane's amazing
1: hippie hair and oh, i uh, loved old stoner michael kane
0: oh it was the best you'd never see michael kane like that let's do a t-bug tangent corner like we're used to seeing fucking michael kane as the swab debonair you know a thief kind of character or con artist or fucking um, bruce wayne's butler right um something we, we don't see a bit this... of like a
1: scoundrel to him yeah,
0: we don't see this.
1: But this like goofy I, uncle, like your goofy pothead yeah. uncle, who's like absolutely up on his conspiracy theories. He's probably if, my favorite character uh, in the oh, film. Oh, he's the best. He, he just really sticks out
0: in the best way possible. And you want you want to meet kind of him in real life if the character was real.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to freaking hang out with somebody like that and just have that as, again, like I would love if that was my like, my, yeah, my weird like pothead uncle. I would fucking love that. <laughs> Because I, I also love that they they use that to the best of its ability, in that for the most part, like he is there to add a lot of levity as well as just flesh absolutely. out certain background details. But you do get some of that like masterclass, like Michael Caine has made a me character. cry in yeah. multiple movies, can and do this, this, this is one of them. There's there's parts of this that are just so fucking touching. Again, for a movie full of so much darkness, the like bits of hope and the bits of again like the. The not war, the, the the not hatred, the not fear, the things that aren't so prevalent throughout this movie. When you find those moments in the film, it it really lands, and Michael Caine gets to own at least one or two of these moments. When he kisses his lips and and puts that you know that that love
0: onto his wife's lips, I feel like was a scene like that for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, you that know, that part, like that. and then just. Basically, the conclusion of, of Theo's story again. I don't, uh, not Theo of um. Oh God, I'm blanking on that character's name. Um, of his
0: of his arc, yeah.
1: When they when he well, we
0: can remember. We are assuming everyone that is listening That's to this true. has seen just, it. So, so I'll give it's, my it's, tough titties line. Okay, tough good titties. Point. Good point. spoilers. Um, he's assassinated. Yeah, you know, he, he dies
1: letting Theo escape. This
0: is part of the yeah. This is part of the the ticking clock um, technique used in film a lot. Is they are always. You know, they're always trying to get out of the grasp of someone right on their tail, you know, and he helps them escape and unfortunately pays the ultimate price for that um, aid and they the, the... It, it never was it just also really... clear to me why they were on his tail. Some of the some of the plotting was I was like it because ha- it happened so quick just to give a, a quick um, note on the editing, like everything is very fast, you know, like you like it in support of what you were talking about earlier is so the editing you know it does not give you a a big chance to think about stuff because that's what the characters are going through they are they're they're on a fucking roller coaster ride they don't have time to think they got they have one mission get this girl to safe haven so that this young child can live safely because there's also so many undertones of like class warfare and elitism because you know as migrants or uh they call themselves fujis they're like this baby's not going to be accepted into the open arms because we're fujis you know kind of thing
1: true yeah, that's a good point too these aren't obviously these aren't like your wealthy high class elites again this is oh this also might be important um is i mean is i don't remember specifically within the context of the film is she like african or she has an accent doesn't she but she's it's a black girl i don't know it's a it's young a black, black woman girl. which is also I, of course very like cradle of the world you know actual ancient civilization like people probably well, need to ask african. ryan like okay so ryan was supposed to be
0: on the show he had some scheduling conflicts couldn't make it that was gonna be He's one of my questions to me. that was gonna be one of my questions for ryan i was gonna be like do you think casting her as a black girl was purposeful?
1: And I want to say, yes, I think it was. I, I and yeah. I genuinely like, like how social I, commentary I, there. Yeah. And I, I believe in that, like, you know, that basically that people came from Africa, like what, you know, that we exactly. all, that like, was like the great, like original diaspora. And, right. uh, I think, so I, I like that sort of as a, as a tribute or an homage to, to that. To that and, idea. Yeah. Um, Yeah, again, that she's just a young, like, and again, she's, she looks pretty young. I don't remember how old she maybe was like for real, you know, like in real life at the time, but still probably pretty young, but just, yeah, having, having this very young black girl be the sort of savior. She's literally the first person to create new life. And again, you've already got like other interesting things like Michael Caine's old, like the older people, like literally just sacrificing themselves for the sake of this baby. Like Theo says that to the midwife, like
0: now you're at the beginning. Like, yeah, you were a part of the end, you know, when you were seeing it start to fall, but now you're a part of the beginning. So I think there is a lot of parallels to what you're saying, that this is just like the beginning of evolutionarily speaking, you know, evolutionary biology speaking, Yeah, that a lot of uh, genetics can date back a lot of the first quote-unquote homo sapiens, you know, man, um, to Africa. And that's why casting the black girl was, was saying... Well, this is part of the beginning here as well in this fictional narrative.
1: Yeah. All things are sick. Yeah. Things are cyclical. Nature is cyclical. And this is happening again. Like things are starting over. They took a reset for about 18 years. <laughs> now, uh, we've talked a little bit about everything before we put a bow
0: on this B And we tell the people why it's important to, for people to study this film uh, artistically. I think you touched on something that we need to dig into a little deeper, and that is the themes of the
1: film. What is this film trying to say? I feel like it's got a strong message of just, like, gratitude and, and, like, the healthy kind of globalism of just, this is what happens when we turn on each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like, things are so bleak well, I like those little touches of hope and faith, though. I think yes. that's important too. Those things, I yeah, and I think those that,
0: really stood out.
1: Yeah, as like a weird, like very, very close second. That the way that those themes play off of each other. Of again, you've got the morning of Baby Diego. You've got a bombing. You've got like kidnappings, and you've got like government torture, and like you know wars outside of the because it all takes and place. Migrants in like and refugees. Yeah, again, like and, obviously we're talking about Clive Owen and and mostly a British cast um so it does take place in britain if i don't know that we've specifically mentioned that yet but um yeah britain or parts of the uk yeah, because, but there are yeah, there are, we have
0: sid who's a great character too I love playing sid. this this the scottish yeah or i, I think he's I,
1: really scottish in real life so. i he i'm i would bet um yeah i'm
0: pretty sure he's yeah
1: i just you you get these clips there there are these occasional like sort of news clips of like just all the shit that's going on elsewhere in the world where we did not come together in this great time of crisis um that it could have very much escalated or been like the cataclysm itself to just plunge us into what feels like the beginning of the end um but yeah you've got you've got the warm comforting feel of almost like a family uh cuz again mm-hmm. Clive Owen's sad divorced alcoholic bastard of a character he loves um you know he he and whatever the relationship is is, is between him and Michael Caine's character is, again, it's fantastic. I love the interplay. Like you see a whole different side I feel of it. Like like it's like a father son. It dynamic. feels very That's... much like that. And it's just never yeah. specified, which I, again, I'm okay with because it doesn't need it. It's just well, that
0: the action told the story there or the, yes. or the dialogue like, their yeah. dynamic, you know, we didn't need that exposition.
1: Exactly. It's, it's in, it's in the relationship. You can just tell that they're close. It, it feels familial. Um, and so you've got these and he, but of course he also not only as like a, a pothead, Uh, But like, again, I I assume he does other illegal shit that he helps out these like, not dissidents, but again, like, I don't want to say terrorists. I just don't have a better word, but- Activists. Activists, thank you. Yeah, I guess that's true. So yeah, he's more on the side of these activists and kind of has like a bit of a really remote, like woodsy hideout. Like he kind of covers the trail to his driveway off this random like country road, Um, lives back in the woods for like safety. So, you know, it's like, it's interesting that in every moment you've got that, well, he's clearly hiding from the government- so on the bigger scale, pulled back, you know, it seems one way, but then you zoom in, and it's a house that's full of love and music and and good pot that he grew called Strawberry Cough, you know. Um, <laughs> there it, is a real Strawberry Cough, is in there for real? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I wonder which came first. I, I cannot. Yes,
0: I cannot confirm nor deny that anybody in the NDP has tried it. I just know of it is of its existence.
1: Oh, so. I did a pot once, and I almost died. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I, I yeah, started with, well, I did a pot, just so you, you know that a... I didn't mean that. Um, but <laughs> well, yeah, people this... shouldn't do edibles. That's, that's my PSA for this episode. <laughs> Fair enough. They're always going to work. Just give them time. Um, but yeah, there's there's th- 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 these moments of levity are in the minority of the overall movie, and yet they are just as integral as any other part, whether you're talking about, you know, subterfuge, betrayals, action, you know, the bombings, the the brutality. Um you cannot have these things without one another and you know, again, people's fighting spirit will always surprise other people. And I, I think that's just another thing that even though he's old, but um, God, the name is right on the tip of my damn tongue. I want to remember his name so badly. Um, I'm going to, I need to look it up on, I'm going to look it up. Jasper. Um, Jasper's like, again, just a sense of, <laughs> he's such a rebel. He's a free spirit. Uh, again, he's just a lover. Like it, it's just, He's well. He's he's free. You know. He's the kind of character yeah, he's that the all grid. the other characters
0: want to be. Really, yeah. in this in this uh, dystopian world that has occurred from this uh, strange phenomenon with such a uncanny regressive uh, fertility rate. And people are he no, he's the character that that's why the audience is always going to gravitate towards a character like that. That's why we like him is because he's he's designed to be that way. He's written that way. Yeah, he's the he is the freedom of the in the film
1: when he's he's self. He's practically like the best of us wrapped up in that. Again, he's selfless. He has an invalid wife. Um, whom he cares for and this baby when he finds out about this cause he again he's all about it to the point where he literally gives his life for this cause he he is like altruism yeah altruism like just to the max but like not in any kind of naive way in that you he clearly stands up for these things because he believes in them so strongly
0: absolutely i think that's a good segue to i feel like uh, talking about these things are a good segue to um bring us home so uh, tell the good people Mr. Church, why they should study this film, analyze it artistically.
1: I I like that it feels incredibly original, first off, you know, like too many movies these days feel very similar. There's only so many, you know, it's it's really difficult sometimes to make good seeming original stories. And yet this one feels so much, you know, like an original story. And so that alone, I feel like helps it stand out from so many other movies in the first place, puts it leaps and bounds above tons of other films that are just recycled, this and that uh, rebooted, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, it's, it is pretty damn original. Uh, The cat, again, everybody does a great job. The cast is very, very intentional. I, 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 I wouldn't recast or change a damn thing about any of it. And the plot itself, it's incredibly moving. It's all, it's harrowing it's 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 all the things that, simple and complex at the same yeah too, i really feel like it, it is somehow nearly scientifically crafted to like appeal to so many people that like they despite it being a somewhat of a more like an indie feel of a movie and it not being like a big blockbuster like oh it's, it's not, an art house film with a big budget exactly sure. it, it yeah. got a good release and a good budget and it is art house but it like dude the cast didn't go around but yeah, really coming down to certain things, The the there's detail, important details all over the damn place, and that even if there's not that same level of detail in certain scenes that are more expositional, per mm-hmm. se, the action scenes, again, as we've said, there's the car chase scene, and then there's a huge just, I don't even know quite what to call it other than just some sort of like pursuit or just something, but the long, I swear it's like 10 minutes of uncut, and just imagine that just imagine 10 straight minutes of, of of just something again not cutting not like moving away and it's not just that it's like oh he's walking around and it's following him they they are running there are explosions and like tanks and like deaths and like in and out of buildings and shit i mean it's just the scope of of everything on this was just dialed up to as much as it could sort of bear and i like that it really doesn't have a ton or almost any detractors, in my opinion. It it is, I think that's just yet another thing in that this feels so much like a passion project that he must have spent way more than just a few years around and before Harry Potter to come out with this because the amount of rehearsal and thought that it took to make something so fucking excellent just speaks to to the intense love for the craft that Alfonso Coron clearly has. Since he helped do the screenplay from the book, he directed it, he edited it, like his hands are all over it and it's it's again it's herculean in the amount of effort that he put into this it's insane and he should be proud
0: it's a master yes it's a master class in meticulous detail design and precision my god that's why i couldn't stress this enough where it was like you know that they had to like Cause there's so many moving parts. It's such a machine. There's such it's it, the movie really breathes. There's such a body to the film, you know, almost like the, the film is almost like an organism yeah. uh, of movement. And um, I mean, just to see it all come together. That's why I, I kept uh, reinforcing this idea. That's like, I couldn't imagine the rehearsals for this, but it was done so well That it doesn't look rehearsed at all it really it's a it's a fully realized world it's mad max it's star wars i mean that's why and that's why it's crazy to me i feel like the real conclusion is like people give this more love tell your friends tell your families tell your loved ones see children of men there you have it guys children of men from top to bottom i want to thank you for listening i want to thank my guest mr church thank you for joining us as always But before we go, you know we got a little more for you. A little icing on the cake. A little cherry on top with what we call the gym. Can't see me wringing my hands together. (laughs) Like Mr. Burns. Now, if you don't know what the gym of the week is, let me tell you. Okay? So if you're new to the show, don't know what the gym of the week is, it's something we like to talk about here at the end of our shows that eh, doesn't always fit into the scheme of the episode because it may just be on our radar in the last day, maybe last week, maybe last month. I don't know. But we want to give it to you guys so you guys can dig Deeper. Now, before we get there, of course, we need to talk about their sponsor. Today's gyms are brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is our go to tool for remote podcast recordings. What's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud. So you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use, and there's nothing to download. So go to zen.ai, that's Z E N.ai slash art of the beholder, or just use promo code art of the beholder and get 30% off your first three months with the pro account. Now back to the gems. Now my gem is very, um, so we, uh, me and my mom and my wife, we went to see a film over, uh, Thanksgiving break. And hmm. it was a situation where we wanted to see something else, but it was sold out. So we went with it was my choice, and me, uh, yeah, it was, I was being selfish. I was choosing the film that the three of us were going to see. It was. I, I originally wanted to see Glass Onion, but it was sold out, so we went with what my mom wanted to see, which was The Fablements. And if you don't know what The ah, Fablements is, guys... It's a yes.
1: story about how Steven Spielberg was raised by Paul Dano. <laughs> That's exactly right. So
0: it is a fictional autobiography about Steven Spielberg's upbringing and youth and falling into his love uh, for the craft that is filmmaking and direction. And we get to see it through uh, the best way he knows how to tell the story. So it's not the Spielbergs. It's not the Spielbergs. It's the myths. So they made his own life they made a fictional a story around it. The main beats are there, but he told his story the, the only way he knows how, and that is through a movie. You know, that made it made the most sense to me. It's and kind of meta, where it's, uh, yeah, it's it borderline, is very meta. it's
1: borderline adapt to Charlie Kaufman's adaptation. It's like one or two steps behind that. <laughs> and let me say this let me say
0: this I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna do a quick review or, or, um, uh, opinion on how uh, how well I thought it was, and uh, then I'm going to pass it back to you because at first I did I I will be honest I I didn't really want to see this I was like ah, um, I don't know the fablements and then I was like ah, it didn't work out so we're going with my mom's choice and I fucking loved it it, it is another it's it's a uh, simple I, lo- story. I love when that
1: happens you yeah, have no I, idea what to expect you it go into was a movie and you're just excellent like, you're just... yeah it like, was so good, good okay
0: and of course I should have known that. It's Steven Spielberg right. making a movie about Steven Spielberg. He's not going to mess this up. It's just so grounded. You know, it's not Jurassic Park. It's not Indiana Jones. It doesn't have these big set pieces, right? It's a simple story. It's a familial story, but we can all relate to it because it's a familial story. And it's it's very grounded. It's very real. It's very funny. It's very dramatic. It's very – has a lot of dramedy, too. It has a little combination of everything. And I – um and again even though yeah it doesn't have these big fucking set pieces and stuff you could still see his expertise shine like how he would block scenes how he would how he would direct you know the characters on screen to play out his life essentially was it was so masterful like you could tell why this young man went into this art and and you can see it uh in in full
1: view with the fable fablement, so I highly recommend. Wunderbaum, yeah, mine uh, is also Wunderbar. very much uh, <laughs> in the vein of this movie, and it's uh, it's the game God of War. <laughs> oh no, actually, Ooh. I I legit am gonna I'm plugging God of War Ragnarok. Um, I love good mythologies. I love ancient civilizations, and I've always found you know the the pantheons of old gods where they absolutely get drunk and fuck around and just like. You know play with the cosmos for fun so of course norse and like greek are some of my favorites well this follows norse mythology for those who don't know um and not only are we at that point where like basically graphics look real uh everything everything is fucking real these days uh at least if you can sort of afford it Uh, obviously not every video game will do that because it's an artistic choice but they went with like realism in this one and holy shit um, the graphics are astounding. The score is mm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the action pieces are also something out of a Hollywood movie. The plot is pretty neat because, despite it being called God of War Ragnarok, it, it, you know, it, it already is a fictional you know game. It's it's about a guy who used to be a God of War down in Sparta, and of course he's like you know ancient Roman soldier, and uh, now he's he you know fled fled that area after just years of of hell. And uh, things are picking back up for him. So it's like he, of course, never was part of Ragnarok. But outside of that, you're Odin and Thor and Loki and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it still does an interesting job of, of making a newly fictionalized version of these ancient and awesome tales. Uh, again, mostly around Ragnarok, but even these other cool bits of Norse mythology. Uh, and again, that the performances, they got top tier uh, actors and actresses for this one. It's fucking phenomenal. Uh, and then all the way down to the actual video game aspect, it's its a joy to play. They made a lot of improvements over the first one from 2018. Hmm. So, this, of course, being a sequel to a recent game where they read that there's the r- initial reboot to the God of War franchise where it's no longer just a big brainless hack and slash. Um, there's like actual- <laughs> I like
0: those two though for the record
1: no they were fun as shit back when they came out don't get me wrong oh. I'm not hating on them I'm just as far as this one it, it's like a far oh, yeah, cry so from much the original yeah. oh, it's, God, it's yeah. a far cry from those other from the original trilogy or maybe there was even four of them I don't remember anymore um but yeah, just was, over uh, just fucking yeah, four and like some PSP. Yeah, ones, there was a like few two. exactly there was a few like yeah. weird little side games and there was at least three or four of these main games. But then yeah, they rebooted it. Have you finished it? Have I, you already played I have through it? I've gotten every last achievement in it already. Oh wow. I couldn't Jeez. put it down. Again, yeah. It, it, uh, you
0: know what's phew. crazy is um
1: that disc
0: is literally in my PS5 right now. And I haven't, I've been so busy, I haven't even seen the opening um cut scene, like the opening credits yet okay. and now you just like hearing this i'm like oh fuck i gotta do it tonight
1: yeah i i um i wasn't sure if i was gonna buy it at first because I, I what up...
0: no so again i i thought I... that way about the callisto protocol i was like i'm gonna wait oh, on want... that one i'm waiting yeah, on i was that like one, i but... want this to be so good and then the review said it's so bad yeah so 2018 thought
1: of war while it had a lot of cool stuff to it 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 also had a handful of missteps this really? one I thought this was that was a masterpiece. I thought the me and Buck talked about the combat it. Combat was clunkier. There was like five enemies total. Really? The character <laughs> of Kratos that's, was that's, way too slow. Fair. That's fair. Um it was there it was cr- mostly mechanical critiques. issues. But since it yeah. is a game that I'm playing, those bothered me so much. So I see. Those are better. Everything's quicker, slicker, you know, like the combat is is deeper, yet still is it's it's almost simplified from before. Mm. Um so yeah, they just they improved on fucking everything. So Yes, I knew that everybody, just like any like major Hollywood movie, no outlet is going to have the balls to be like, this movie was fucking trash. No, Hollywood movies just mm. get thumbs up all across the board. That's fine. So while I didn't think anybody was going to trash it and I was expecting everyone to just come out and be like, five out of five, ten out of ten. Um. Even even like the lay people, even just non wanted to give
0: it a fair shake.
1: I yeah. I I wasn't gonna buy it before it came out just for no reason. But once footage was out there and like reviews, proper reviews were out there explaining things. I was like, okay, uh, I'll try it. And holy shit!
0: And they were right.
1: They're again. This is this is like easily game of the year. Easily game of the year for this year. It is. I've been excited.
0: Um, that uh, reminds me. Uh, that I, I, I feel like we're gonna definitely be bonding on an episode coming up. Wink. Um, that we're gonna you're having Caleb me back. Yep. Uh, we're gonna do a little best of episode, and I have a feeling we're gonna be gushing about God of War a lot. So Fun. until next time, tell the good people how they can get a hold of you.
1: I have a website on the interwebs it is available uh, at just philip p h i l i p that's the one l referenced at the top of the show mm-hmm. philipchurch.tech uh it's got a current let's see audiobook demo it has a Perfect. current commercial demo i'm working on another demo i have new audiobooks coming out i try to keep stuff up to date so yeah depending on the style of thing you're looking for um, i'll have a radio imaging demo eventually uh, but i'm still we're still working through the rehearsals of it, and it needs to be recorded and blah, blah, blah. So more and more samples there that you can get an idea of what I sound like when I'm not just goofing off and talking about movies. <laughs> um, I They I, may want to hire you for a podcast, though, because you're that a is coma, That is fair. So Again, I'm, I'm available. The goofing helps. It's fun. You know? Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you need conversational stuff, obviously, boom. I'm right here. You, you, if you like what you hear, philipchurch.tech or if you go listen to some of my audiobook samples or my demos, you might also be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Let's 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 chit chat. And the website should have a form uh, in which you can contact me. There you go, guys. Check it out. And if you like that, of course,
0: you can check us out at NovodayProductions.com. There you'll find things like the entropy sessions, as already stated, adulteration, post-meridium, cancer, culturelado. Of course, you'll see ads for this show. You can check out some of our other episodes with Mr. Church. You'll love them. They're a lot of fun you can follow us at underscore novo underscore day and days to eat and at and at novo day media don't forget to like and subscribe do all the things as i like to say rate and review and if you'd like to sponsor a little love child you can reach out to us at novodaymedia at gmail.com you can you can use that same email to book a show with us if you want to be on the show let us know So until next time, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed.
1: We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media. At Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash AcoMusic123. Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.
0: <laughs> That's right, guys. Shut up and watch it.
1: Call me Sid.